Welcome, friends. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Sarah Morgan with Hill of Zion's podcast, Sharing the Word in My Father's Heart, one chapter at a time. Today, we're going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But before we dig into this chapter, let's open up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just come to you in Jesus' name. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word that we're able to come together and just study your word and hear what it is that you have for us through this chapter. Father God, just be with us during this time. May it be you that speaks through me as we share. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it's found in the Old Testament, and it has 22 verses in this one chapter. And this chapter follows right after King Solomon had given a speech and a prayer. And now we're looking how King Solomon and the people, Israel, God's chosen people, are dedicating the temple. We know that David wanted to build the temple, but David didn't get to build the temple. Instead, his son got to build the temple. And so that's where we're at when we start this chapter. Starting in verse 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. I just love this. And when I read that, I love that because now we know in God's word that this was a building. This was the temple that they built in the Old Testament because Jesus hadn't yet come. Jesus hadn't done the work on the cross yet. And so they had this temple where this, the glory of the Lord um, came, where the glory of the Lord, his presence dwelt. Well, now we know that we're the temple and that same glory that was filling that temple is the same glory that fills us today, that same Holy Spirit that lives in us. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I just love that. Um, not only did it say that the glory of the Lord filled the temple, but it also said that the glory of the Lord was upon the temple. And I really believe that that's what the Father wants for us today, too. He doesn't just want us to be filled with His Spirit. He wants His Spirit to overflow through us. He wants us to shine. You know, He tells us in Matthew five fourteen that we're to be a city on a hill. You know, we're to shine. We're to be the lights of the world. And so when we are dwelling in His presence and we're truly abiding in Him, there is going to be a shine about us, upon us, that other people are going to be able to see. And I love this. I love that they worshiped and they praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. And there's a difference between grace and mercy. Grace 
Um, grace is giving us something that we don't deserve. Um, we don't deserve heaven, but God is giving us heaven. And then mercy is not giving us what we deserve. We deserve hell. We're sinners. But because of his mercy, we're not getting what we deserve. And so here they're worshiping him. Um, they're worshiping him and just how his mercy endureth forever. And I just love, I love Psalms 100, how it says that we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Um, I don't know about you, but I want to be in the very presence of the Lord. And that's kind of a key right there, a key to how we can do that. It starts with giving thanks, you know, that honors God when we come to him and in prayer and we're talking with him and we come to him in Jesus name, you know, we're, we're real good about being able to come to him with our needs. And that's good. He wants to know our needs. He says, ask, he says, ask and you receive, but you know, it's not the only thing that we can do is ask. We can also give thanks. We can give praise. And when we begin to thank him and tell him our gratitude, what we're thankful for, it says then we're entering his gates. And then when we begin to praise him, so I can say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my children. I'm thanking him for the things that he has given me. But then when I become in his courts, that means I'm in his presence and I can praise him. I can tell him who he is to me. God, you are my provider. You are healer. And we can just begin to tell him everything that he is. You are deliverer. Just tell him what he's been to you this past week. And so I just love that. And then in verse four, it says, and then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord immediately when I read that, because as I'm reading this chapter, I think God wanted me to do this chapter tonight because, um, He's really wanting us as a church to remember that the church is not the building. We are the church. The people are the church. Our body is his temple and he wants us to care for his temple because now he's in us. He's dwelling in us. So we have to care for ourselves. And so we know in Romans 12, he tells us to be that living sacrifice, to be pure, to be holy, to be acceptable, to be set apart. Um, and so we are that living sacrifice. So here when it says, then the king and all the people offer sacrifices before the Lord. What a blessing that today we are that sacrifice, that we get to offer, offer ourselves to God and return for what he offered us. He offered us his son. He offered us Jesus Christ. He offered us eternal life with him in eternity with he in heaven. And so what a blessing, what an honor it is to be able to do that. Verse five, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of the Lord. Um, I feel like God's saying that some of us, that we need to just take that time to dedicate ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I am yours. I know I've messed up a bunch. I've screwed up a bunch. 
And here's the thing. God knew that we were going to screw up. He knew that we were going to mess up. He said that we're all sinners saved by grace. That's why he sent us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. But we can make a purpose in our hearts to want to dedicate ourselves to him. And so in that verse right there, so the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. So let us um, purpose in our heart today to dedicate ourselves to the house, to the Lord, to be his house. And the priests waited on their offices in Levites also with instru instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord, because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle, middle of the court. He made it holy. That was to be before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of peace offerings because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. So here we're just seeing how they celebrated and worshipped. And this is also how they celebrated and worshipped. Also, at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath into the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly, and they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel and his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in his, house, in his king's house and all, of the, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord. And in his own house, he prospered he prosperously affected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. I love this. I love that this isn't something that just happens in the Old Testament. God still does this. He still speaks to people. And I love that he likes to visit me at night, that he still likes to come and give visions and dreams and really share his heart with his people who are truly seeking. Because we know that he tells us in Jeremiah that when we seek him with our whole heart, that we find him. And so it says there in verse 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen the place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now here's the thing. Now God's giving a warning. See, I grew up hearing this verse. I memorized this verse. I knew this verse. And I just always assumed that the people had done something wrong, and that's why this verse was being said in this chapter. I never really read this chapter before. But when God gave this warning, actually everything was going great. The people were worshiping God. They were dedicating the temple to him and giving sacrifices and just really the music, everything. But God already knows. God knows that we're going to fail. And so he gives a warning here. He says, look, if I have to shut up the heaven and there's no rain, if there's locusts and they're devouring the land, pestilence, this is what you're going to need to do. 
So he, he shows what could happen, but he gives a solution for that problem. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forget, forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so this verse is so important. It's important to us as Christians right now, just in your own personal life. If there is something going on and you feel like you can't control it and it's controlling you and you know that it's of the enemy, there's a solution to that problem. No, the problem might not be no rain or locusts or pestilence, but the thing is the devil is that pestilence, is that locust. His little demons, his workers, that is that. And when there's no rain, that means there's no spirit. There's no Holy Spirit. And so God is saying, look, do you need my Holy Spirit? Do you need me to get rid of the devil and the enemies that it's working on you? Then here's the answer. The first thing you have to do is you have to humble yourself. That means you're going to have to come to God and say, God, look, I can't, I can't do this without you. I, I need your help. And it takes humility to come to God and do that because then you're look, saying, look, Lord, I can't, but I know you can. And that's when you begin to pray. And all praying is, is talking to him. You're telling him exactly what it is going on. For me right now, it's Lord, I, I can't. I can't be stable without you. I I am going through this with my husband. I know he's struggling, but Lord, I know with your help, we can overcome. And I begin to tell him what it is that I'm struggling with. And so we humble ourselves knowing that in our pride, we can't do it. There's no way. We have to have the help of the Lord. It says, not by our power, but not by our might, but by the Spirit. And so we see that there's been no rain. There's been no spirit. And so we're wanting the Lord to fill us with his spirit again. Because that's the thing. We're his temple. We want him to fill our temple with his spirit. That's how we're going to overcome when we're yielding to the spirit and not the flesh. And then he says, seek my face. We've got to be a people that are seeking we have to seek his face. That means we've got to get in this word. We've got to hear what he has to say because he's going to talk to us because something's going to be said. When we humble ourselves, when we pray and we begin to seek, that means he's going to have a response. And most likely he's going to have us do some things. He's going to want us to repent. He's probably going to reveal some things that we didn't know was there. And when he reveals those things, we need to repent and we need to turn from them. Because that's what it says next. It says, turn from your wicked ways. See, a lot of us, we want, we want the help, but we don't want to give up the things that we need to give up, give up in order to be that living sacrifice. But we have to do that if we want to experience the deliverance that can come from our God. The healing that can come. Because he says in that same verse, when we turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and will forgive us of our sin and he will heal our land. He will heal us. 
Now, verse 15, now my eyes shall be open and my ears intent unto prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Isn't that beautiful? Because God has chosen us too. And now he has sanctified us to be his house and his name is all over us. His heart is with us. And there is nothing that can take that away from us. That should give us so much hope for today and tomorrow and the days to come. Verse 17, and as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, do you hear that? Oh, we know David. David was a man after God's own heart. And it says, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked and do according to all that I have commanded thee and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of the kingdom according as I have Covenanted, covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. I just love that, to walk before me as David. And we know David, David was not perfect. Oh my goodness. David, I mean, he committed murder, he committed adultery. And still, God in his word in the New Testament says that he was a man after God's own heart. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Because he lived um, after, ver- he, he followed verse 14. He was humble. He would pray. I mean, look at all the Psalms, all the prayers and songs and Psalms that are a majority are written by David. So he would pray. He would seek after God. But when God would come and tell him something, he would turn from it. He would repent from it. And then God would hear him and would restore him and forgive him of his sin and heal the land. That's why that David is such a great example. So let us let let us walk before God like David did. In verse 19, but if you turn away, there's always consequences. God is a just God. But if we turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots of Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my hand which I have given them. And this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And we know that this happened. We know that, you know, Israel, they fell into sin and ended up going into captivity and the temple was destroyed. Their homeland was destroyed. And later they would come back and rebuild the temple, but the temple would not be the same as it was as the first temple. It wasn't as glorious as the first temple. In fact, as some of the new people rejoiced, the old people that came from captivity that had witnessed this dedication wept in sorrow because the new temple was not as glorious as the old temple. It says in verse 22, And it shall be answered because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. You know, God does that for us too. He brings us out of Egypt. He brings us out of bondage. And 
you know, the Israelites, time after time, and you read it in the in Judges, like they would go a period of like 40 years where they would be living and living in freedom and things, but then they would start serving other gods and start doing wrong, and then the enemy would come in and they would be taken captive, and then they would cry out to God, and then God would hear them, and God would forgive them, and it wouldn't be shortly after God forgave them and gave them a season of rest that they would fall right back into bondage. But let's not be that people. Let's be a people that is determined to be dedicated to the Lord, to be that living sacrifice that is stable, that is secure, that is yielded to the Spirit, that can't be shaken. It's not to say that we're not going to make mistakes, but man, purpose in our heart not to go back to Egypt. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for this very first podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing more in the near future. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.